few weeks ago, I was listening to a Louis Giglio sermon. It was called Immeasurably More. No, I didn't copy it. All right. The title came from, from the Bible. But somebody told me, hey, Louis Giglio has a good sermon on this. So I was listening to it. And he had this illustration in his message about Immeasurably More. And it was about a time early in his career when he came to speak at like a church conference. And the church put him up in a hotel room. And, and the church, like all the members were so super psyched about how awesome his room was. They were, every time he would go somewhere, like, how do you like the room? It's good, you know, and they were just, everybody was excited. He said, he said, I was trying to get excited for, for preaching and sharing Christ with the students and with what I was there to do. But all anybody at this church talked about was, was how great his hotel room was. And he says, I, I thought, you know, the room was nice, but it wasn't ridiculously awesome. It wasn't like, whoo, here's the room, you know, in the presidential suite. It was just a nice, modest hotel room. He said, that was until I ordered room service. And through a turn of events, I discovered that, that I was given a key to the adjoining room, not the main suite that was intended for him. And so here's Louis Giglio at this conference in the adjoining room, the little small room with one bath and, you know, the little the half room, if you will. And everybody's telling him, how do you like the room? They were so proud of this room they got him. And, and being gracious, he's like, yeah, it's okay. It's a good room. It's comfortable. And, and then he, he finds out that he had the key to the wrong room. He said, you know, that, that's the whole thing. He said, it was nothing like having access to the full suite. He got into the full suite that was promised, that, that was his actual room, and there was this colossal gift basket, and there were all these things that were the benefits of the fact that the manager of the hotel was also a member of the church, and they had really spruced it up, and he had, you know, the bathrobe and the slippers and, and like everything, and it really was a nice room. <laughs> he said, his point was this. He says, you know, we often settle for an adjoining room relationship with God or, or an adjoining room vision and, and then kind of a, an adjoining room settling for our lives with God. But God wants us to experience immeasurably more. He wants us to have that whole suite, that presidential suite. Louis says, I missed it because I got the wrong room. You know, God wants us to experience immeasurably more than that. He doesn't want us to have that little room. He has plans for us that, that we're not able to measure here on earth, that, that we may not even understand how they really comprehend and measure up. God has this amazing room set up for us. But the reality is that oftentimes we prefer the small adjoining room with a little half bath to the true greatness that God has in store for us. Uh, this morning, we're going to wrap up on our series of Immeasurably More. I'm going to close this out. And one of the things I've noticed in going through this series and, and in studying in Ephesians, there's a whole lot more to Immeasurably More than just the fact that we're going to receive something from God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the opportunity uh, to share your word. I, I pray, Lord, that as we really get into the heart of of Ephesians to, to immeasurably more that we will understand it's not so much what we can gain from you, but it's what you can do through us. Open our hearts to your word, Lord. Let it, let it resonate with us. Let us act on it. Let us live it out when we leave here. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You see, immeasurably more is one of those things that when it's fully realized, when you take it out to, to its fullest potential, when you really unleash immeasurably more in your life, when you allow it to be unleashed in your life, it will change your everything. It will change the way you see and do things. When you do your part, 
When you put yourself in the position to receive what God has to offer you, when you make God your true priority, you put him above all things, you will begin to understand what immeasurably more is all about. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. Now, you may be thinking, we're wrapping up Ephesians. We should be somewhere at the end of chapter 6. Why'd you go back to the middle? Uh, Because I don't play by those rules. So uh, we're going to go back here, and we're going to settle in on chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. And uh, I'm going to mess you up really big later when I jump into Hebrews, but it it all comes together in the end. So go ahead and read this with me. Well, I'll read it. You can follow along. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Go ahead and you can underline that in your Bible if you want uh, or highlight it if you're on a, a smart tablet or something. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Verses 19 and 20. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Do you know the love of Christ? Do you, do you really know? I mean, do you really know the love of Christ? I mean, yeah, we, we know he died for our sins. And we remembered that during our communion time and, and we sing about it. But have you truly considered that? Have you truly considered the love of Christ? That the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, it means that even when we don't understand why God would love us or want us, Christ steps in and he fills that void between God and man. You see, and because of Christ's love for us and the power at work that's in us, which is the Holy Spirit, God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ever ask for or think of in us. That's immeasurably more. But there's something else. When, whenever we're given something, what do you have to do with it? If I give you something, what do you have to do to make it worth whatever it is? You got to use it. There we go. All right, there's more to it. You have to use it. We have to open it up. We have to be good stewards of it, if you will. And maybe God has shown you a direction for your life. And my question for you today is, as he's shown you what you need to be doing, are you being a good steward of that gift? God's trying to give you immeasurably more. Are you being a good steward of it? Maybe God's shown you something and and maybe he's blessed you financially. And maybe you're better off than most of us. Are you being a good steward of this blessing? Are you giving back to God with a joyful heart? See, being a good steward of something is not the same as being stingy. I worked for a church early in my youth ministry days and I had no budget for youth ministry, no curriculum budget. I was a full-time student in Bible college at a part-time job and a weekend ministry. And I had to write out lessons for Sunday school, kids church, Sunday night youth group and Wednesday evening Bible study with junior and senior high kids. I was asked a few, I even asked a few times, hey, can I purchase some help books? Can I go to have a little bit of money, go to the Bible bookstore to pick up a few things to, to help out with this? And the answer is always no, it wasn't in the budget. 
Wow. So I'm, I'm working like crazy. I'm doing all this. And then I found out there was a considerable amount of money in the savings account at this particular church. And by considerable, we could say it rhymes with like $40,000. Good amount of money. And I said, hey, we got all this money. Why can't I have a hundred bucks to get some curriculums and stuff to, you know, help? I mean, I've shown that I can write these lessons. Help me take the burden. And they said it was being saved for an emergency, like a rainy day fund. And I said, fellas, it's raining. It's raining. I'm wore out. And they still wouldn't release any of that money. And, and, they, and I've worked many jobs. All right. I've, I've done a lot of things, not just in ministry, but in life. And I understand that you need to put money aside for the unknown, especially in churches, because things break and budgets and offerings kind of ebb and flow. And I'm not asking to just, you know, I didn't want to spend everything. But stewardship of something and being stingy with the same thing, those are two separate contrasts. Okay? Um, these guys kept saying, we'll be accountable for how we use this. And I said, or how you don't use it. There was some conflict there. We didn't quite get it. It all worked out in the end and it was okay. But here's the thing. On a spiritual side, you've been given the good news. You have been given the gospel message. If you've come to this church more than one time, you have been given the gospel message. And you know Jesus, even if it's, if it's just a cordial knowledge of him. But if you refuse to share him, if you refuse to serve others, if you refuse to tithe, if you refuse to give an offering of any kind, if you refuse to do what God's calling you to do, you are not being a good steward of the love of Christ. You are being stingy. And yet, in our most stingy of times, we sit there with our hand out saying, God, why haven't you blessed me yet? Where's my immeasurably more? I want my immeasurably more Fat Rock's been talking about. Where's it at? See, the immeasurably more is a give and take. Let me illustrate it for you this way. And I talked about this. It's, it's Mission Sunday. And as much as I'd like to talk about the Matumba Project for an hour and a half, I always make all of our missionaries stay on task with the, with the scriptures and the sermon. And so I'm going to do the same thing. But there's a really good illustration that helps make this point about stewardship and about immeasurably more and about how God can take something that seems insignificant and small and turn it into something so much bigger. Uh, the question was asked about how did we raise the money and, and why, how long did it take? It took about a year and a half to raise up the money we needed to do the building project that we had to do. And, and at that time, our brothers and sisters at LifeBridge Christian Church in Decatur went through a series uh, where the, the minister was preaching and he preached on the parable of the talents. And he preached on that parable from the responsibility angle that we've been given talents and we have a responsibility to do something with those talents. And so the focal point was we're all stewards of what God has given to us, no matter whether it's financial or spiritual or physical, we're, we're to be stewards of that. And so they looked at how they could be involved in the Matumba project, how they could, they could use the, that scripture and, and the example of that scripture of the stewards um, to do something about the Matumba project. And what they did, the church gave $100 to every giving family or individual that they had record of as being, being tithing or as giving. And they gave it to them in an envelope. And they handed out 26 envelopes one Sunday after they finished this series. And they told everybody, they said, hey, we're giving you $100. And you can do whatever you want to with this $100. You can go out to eat on it. You can save it. You can give it back. Or, or you can invest it. You can kind of along the, the lines of the, the story of the parable uh, of the people with the talent. And so they said, you can do something to, to bring it back, you know, two or three fold. It's up to you. 
uh, you can make money with it. Um, and he actually, I was told they did have one family or one person that said, hey, they, they gave the envelope back. They said, I'm not ready for this. And they said, we appreciate that. Thank you for not stealing $100 from the church. Um, they didn't say that. Either. I'm kidding. Um, but the leadership of LifeBridge Christian Church encouraged their church family to work within their life groups, to, to work within their community and, and see what they could do to, res- to combine resources, so to speak. And so, so everybody in this church started uh, to attempt something. Some people, there were a few folks that just simply doubled it. They just, they, they saved up a little extra. And, and at the end of the six weeks, they, they turned in $200. And that was awesome. They had, um, they had some other people who designed and sold some t-shirts. They all put their money together. They bought, you know, three or $400 worth of t-shirts and they started selling t-shirts. They had a group that bought Krispy Kreme donuts through their fundraising program and went around their offices and, and sold Krispy Kreme donuts. Um, one of their life groups invested money in all the ingredients. They made a whole bunch of cookies and baked goods and had a bake sale outside of their local Walmart. Some people made scarves and sold them online. One group invested their money in Boston butts and smoked them and sold them. Everything was done outside the church. And as they did it in the community, as they went through this process, it wasn't just, hey, we want your money. It was telling people about Jesus, telling people about our brothers and sisters in Mashoko and about the Matumba Project. And so, so here it was where on the, on the surface, it looks like the leadership of the church just said to everybody, here's $100, go do something with it. They actually gave people an open door to simply tell somebody about Jesus. I was like, how covert. People didn't even realize what they were doing until they were in the middle of it. I just invited somebody to church. I just told them about Jesus. The stories that came back, I was talking to Michael Sykes. He would call me every week. He's like, you'll never believe what just happened. This older couple, they did this and this, and they brought three people to church, all because they were telling them about pregnant ladies in Mashoko, Zimbabwe. Now, here's the cool thing. Um, so so they, they get to the end of that, and not only did, did LifeBridge, they got their initial $2,600 back, which is, that's always good, because that's a gamble right there. That's, that's a lot of money. Uh, they got that back. But the members brought in an additional $3,500 to give towards the Matumba project that was the actual seed money to get everything going. Now, you may think, well, that doesn't seem like a lot of money. The average attendance at LifeBridge goes between 80 to 103 people on a weekly basis. And so this little church made an investment in their people and their people turned around and made an investment in their community financially and physically and, and spiritually and, and what has come back since then has been so much more than just bricks and mortar and money because people are going, hey, you were that group that was at Walmart selling cookies and they're coming to the church going, hey, how's that project going? And something has started over there that's just really cool. And, and that's what makes them a great illustration for measurably more. Because when you do what I like to call God math, now you engineers follow me on this and check my math. You take $2,600 and you divide it by 109 people and you multiply it by God and then round it up by the Holy Spirit power and you carry that with six workers willing to travel thousands of miles, you end up with a $20,000 building that will provide a need for hundreds of ladies for years to come. Amen? That's, that's cool stuff. That's what immeasurably more is. All right, that's, that's where it starts. It, and, and the thing is, it all started with, with a preacher sitting at a dinner table in Zimbabwe Asking a question, what's a physical need that you have here? And the answer was one word, Matumba. The physical need is temporary. 
Dr. B said it's, it's temporary. We need temporary housing for pregnant ladies to come and stay so they can have their babies. Now, here's the cool thing. Once they do that, the hospital takes them back home. And, and, and so they're driving back home and they're, they're continually being told about the love of Jesus Christ. And, and as we were there, we're building stuff. We're, we're making bricks. We're, we're stacking bricks. We're building. And people are telling us how, you know, because of these other Matumba houses, there are villages now who know about Jesus. Women have gone back with babies and, and they pay $15 to have a baby unless they have a cesarean. Then it's $60 um, for an emergency C-section costs $60. Uh, but they, they have their baby and they go back and they're in their village and they say, well, how was it? And they're telling them about Jesus. And whole villages have been transformed by the gospel because of some brick and some mortar. Uh, you may be wondering what all this has to do with you. And, and here's, here's where it all kind of the rubber hits the road, if you will. You see, with immeasurably more from God comes a greater responsibility from you because God's going to do what he says he's going to do. But the question is, are we going to do what we need to do to hold up our end of the immeasurably more? Go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. The Hebrew writer here, he's talking about our redemption through the blood of Christ. And, and I'm going to kind of bring this full circle here in just a second. Um, and, and he's talking about, once again, God going above and beyond for us. And at the end of this reading, we're going to see what's required of us to really bring immeasurably more full circle. Here we go. Verse 11, chapter 9 of Hebrews. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Purify our conscience from dead works. For what purpose? To serve the living God. You see it? We were dead in our sin. Our life before Christ, we were dead. Everything we did, our works were dead. Everything we were doing before Christ was dead. But because of him, we've been purified from our dead works. To do what? Say it with me. Serve the living God. That was so-so. We've been purified to do what? Serve the living God. Yeah. And listen, that shouldn't be done half-hearted. It should be all in. Folks, you are set aside. You are sanctified. You have been purified. You have been all of these things for one simple reason. To serve the living God. Not to serve the living Bob or the living Susan or the living John. Not to serve the living elders of your church. But to serve the living God. How are you serving him? Let me tell you this. Showing up at church on Sunday to sing songs and listen to a message and have communion and throw a check in the plate. That is not serving the living God. It's good that you're here today. Don't get me wrong. Don't leave. It's good that you're here. And I'm not complaining that you all came to church. Okay, I'm not complaining about that. But I just want you to understand, coming to church is not enough. You can't show up here on Sunday and say, I went through all these things. Where's my immeasurably more, God? Where's it at? You, you can't. Just showing up here is not being a good steward of the love of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus left us instruction in Matthew before, before he left on what we need to do. And it's Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's one of the reasons right there that I end every Sunday by saying, now it's time to go. It's because of that scripture. You've been here. You've been energized, hopefully, and you've been charged up and you're ready to go out and take on the world and, and be a difference in the community. But we can't stay here. We, we can't hold back what we know from the rest of the world. We must go. And I don't mean just go home to watch something on TV. We must go and make disciples of all nations. I'm all about serving people here in America. But listen, all nations is all nations. There's a lot of nations out there. And you'll be surprised how many people in some of those countries still haven't heard Jesus. We must go. We must teach them all that Christ has commanded. Now, I don't know about you. I love to go. It is passion. I love mission stuff. I love to go to places I've never been. I love to share Jesus with people that I've never talked to. Um, I think one of the reasons I love to go is because of this little old couple from Eustis, Florida. Their name was Max and Roosevelt Haven. Some of you have heard some of this story. When I first met the Havens, they were, they were well into retirement. They were a little bit older than I was. And, and they weren't missionaries. They weren't dynamic people or anything like that. They were just your average retired couple. But when God put something on Roosevelt's heart, she was on it. And, and the people who know her well can tell you she had a bit of a stubborn, a stubborn streak in her too. Uh, but God put it on her heart to reach out to someone. And one day she realized that person was me. I, I was a total stranger, but God gave her a gift. And that gift was the love of Christ. And she had one opportunity to meet me. And she took that opportunity. And when I walked into that little church on that Sunday, looking like I should be anywhere but in a church, she walked right up to me and she said, we've been expecting you. And she told me later, that was the longest walk of her life. We were both outside of our comfort zone because I honestly didn't want to be at a church and she didn't want to come up and talk to this crazy, whacked out looking guy who just showed up. I often think back to that moment. You know, when God leads me to something that could be uncomfortable, I think about that moment. You know, when he first put Zimbabwe on my heart, I had a lot of questions. I was right on the verge of being Jonah. I was like, are you sure, God? Do you know how far away that is? That's a lot of money. There's a lot of time away from my family, from the church. It's just a lot of everything. And I remember Max and Roosevelt Haven, and I think, you know, if she would have spent one more Sunday discussing those same things with God instead of acting on what she knew to be the right and good thing to do, which was to welcome me, a stranger, in, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Not only that, I may not have ever gone to Mexico or Haiti or London or Africa or, or any of the inner city places that I've been to share the love of Jesus with others. On a simpler note, I may never have gone to some of the hurricane or tornado relief sites that I've been to over the years. Well, I, I may have gone to help, because that's just, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> but I don't think I would have gone with a gospel message of Jesus Christ. I, I may have gone with a, with a physical band-aid, here's some water, here's some food, but I wouldn't have gone with Here's the living water. Eat this bread and you'll never be hungry again. I wouldn't have gone with that message. You know, I understand that not everyone is called to respond to God's word by getting on a plane and flying thousands of miles, but every one of us is called to be good stewards of what we have. 
good stewards of what we have, both in our knowledge of Christ and in our physical assets and how we use them for the kingdom of God. And every one of us is called to go. Where? That's between you and God. Maybe it is across the room. Maybe it's across the street. Maybe it's somewhere in your community. Maybe it is across the world. I don't know. But every one of us that has that gospel message, that knows what God has done in our lives, has been called to go. And we've been called to be good stewards of what we have. The question is, will you go? You know, Roosevelt Haven never went to Haiti or Mexico or London or Africa that I know of. But she did get up out of her seat and she walked across the room in front of everybody at that church and made sure that a misfit of a 21-year-old kid got a glimpse of the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. She did do that. Some of us aren't even willing to go that far to share Jesus with others. I think the reality is, as Christians, I think we've been selling God short on this immeasurably more thing because we want our part. We want him to give us our part, but we're not really ready to jump out and give him his part of immeasurably more. And, And I think we've been selling ourselves short as well. Because when you fully embrace it, it'll blow you away. I don't know any other way to say it. He wants immeasurably more for us, immeasurably more than we can hope for or think about or really understand. But we need to live that way. We need to pray that way. We need to believe those prayers so that we can live the way that God wants us to live. We need to pray that he does more than we can imagine. And when he does that, we need to be like Roosevelt. We need to be ready to act. No more sitting on the fence. It's time to get up and walk across the room. It's time to get up and walk across town. It's time to get up and go across the world and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We need to pray that he breaks our hearts for the things that break his. We need to pray that our minor fears of what may happen or what we could do go away. We need to to pray for God's vision for our marriages. We need to pray for God's vision for our families, for our lives as individuals. And we need to pray for God's vision for what's going on in our world. That's what I'm doing. Whatever he has for us to do, my prayer is that we'll receive it, that we'll be open to it, that we'll be continually in the process of changing from the inside out. Not only will we love each other more than we thought, but he will use us as a city on a hill, a place of life. He will use this place as a refuge and an encouragement for other people, for other families, for other couples, for other individuals who are in our community and in our world who need to know and experience the immeasurable love of Jesus Christ. You know, when people come to visit Huntsville Christian Church, I don't want them to stumble into the adjoining room like Louis Giglio did. I want them to know without a doubt they have come to a place that is a true reflection of the God we serve. From the time they walk in the door to the middle of the week where they're still thinking about how great our God is. Not because of my eloquent speech or the songs or the communion and offering, but because right here is a reflection of Jesus Christ. And when you leave, you take that reflection with you. As we come to our response time today, the question is, will you continue to live a mediocre Christian existence here on earth, giving mediocrity back to our God financially, physically, and spiritually? Are you ready to live out the fact that God wants immeasurably more for you? And I don't know what that looks like for you because it's different for everybody. But sometimes for us to accept immeasurably more from God, that means we have to put down something else that we're holding on to too tightly. You only have two hands. You can only hold so much. And sometimes in order to receive, you've got to get rid of what's holding you back. Maybe for you, the first step in preparing yourself for immeasurably more is baptism. The baptistry is ready. It might be a little cold, but it's ready. 
Maybe for you it's time to come up and talk and pray with the elders about how you can do your part. Maybe you need to, to come and, and draw a line in the sand of, of what you need to let go of, what addiction it is that's in your life that's keeping you from being able to accept the immeasurably more that God has to offer you. The elders are here. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to encourage you in that route. Maybe it's time for you to partner with us here at Huntsville Christian Church to, to walk out of here and be the hands and feet of Christ in this community and across the world. Whatever your response is, will you please stand and sing with us and let God know that you are ready to begin living out immeasurably more for Him. Amen. It's been great to worship with you all today, but our worship doesn't stop here just because it's time to go. As you go this week, remember that how you live your life is your daily act of worship. Where you go, how far you're willing to walk, how much you're willing to give to make sure that someone gets the opportunity to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. That's between you and God. Hey, you will find that you can live a Christian life of mediocrity or you can live a Christian life of immeasurably more. I pray that you will choose immeasurably more. It's not always easy, but it sure is worth it. Have a great week.